This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by the legendary former Manchester United defender, Paul Parker. How are you doing, Paul? I'm fine, thank you, Wayne. Good stuff. We have a, a good weekend. I feel like I'm feeling a little bit more positive that we're sort of coming towards the end of this tunnel and it might be a little while before we um, I get to see you at the football again, but um, I feel like it's... I feel like it's not too far away now. And obviously not going to be this season, but I'm feeling more positive about that. Um, I think maybe maybe the day is getting a little bit longer. <laughs> Something to do with it, you know. Um, there's a little bit of sunshine. So yeah, um, yeah. Um, a mixed week for United, really, um, as it always tends to be when we do these podcasts. Um, the first game was Milan, obviously. Um, Ahmad Diallo coming off the bench scores a great goal um, and then we concede that equaliser in um, in injury time couldn't complain about it Paul uh, really because they, they really deserved the equaliser they were, they were good value for 1-1 because he started that first off really well um, could have had a couple of goals um, really didn't get why their, their goal was disallowed to be fair that, that great goal from Kese um, but when you, you do concede a late goal a lot of blame gets thrown around uh, first on Solskjaer for making the subs and the changes that seemed a little bit odd for example he moved Tellers into the centre back area when Shaw has played so well in that area um, when when they've done the three man defence and then obviously the defence from the corner and Henderson gets the blame as well how, how do you see that, I mean first of all I mean, I'm going to presume that you agree, agree with me on the, the 
principle that Milan obviously good value for the draw and that the, the gold being disallowed from them in the first half was a bit un, unfair um, so um, yeah a, a, a fair result Paul and, and you know where, where do you stand on the goal that we conceded well first of all I mean yeah um, I look at the goal when you say to yourself yeah the goal should have been allowed but the one thing about it with VAR is that at least it was done all sharp mm. Every, everything was it wasn't you know you know wasn't a long period of time to find out I look at the game I would say I mean you're kind of fair I would say Milan edged it yeah just, just yeah. United I mean United were poor they struggled they struggled up against a very fluid midfield <clears throat> and when you looked at the midfield of United they were so slow with and without the ball yeah. And Milan, <clears throat> Milan, no big name midfield players. As like to everyone talks about Premier League midfield players and whatever. These players are not big names. No one ever shouts about them or anything. Yet they come and they outplayed the Manchester United midfield just by control pass move. Simple, no no fancy tricks unless they had to beat somebody. They just moved the ball, kept moving and moving, and they couldn't couldn't deal with it. Really, really struggled with it didn't really learn anything from it. it was almost throughout the game and they get what they deserved in the end really at least was it was 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 getting back into the game yeah. at 1-1 with an with an away goal and, and we sort of set up to allow that to happen that was the disappointing thing it's almost like we were winning 1-0 and then with 20 minutes to go, to go Ollie makes his changes and he's like I've settled for 1-1 before they've even conceded that's how it felt to me watching it because it's almost like inviting them because they were growing in confidence and they played well anyway and you almost felt alright he's settled for 1-1 because they're obviously going to get more chances um, where, where do you stand on the I said blame for the equaliser because a lot of people throw in Henderson under the bus for that but I, you know we've I've seen as Mark that poorly from set pieces so often that I feel it a little bit harsh if you watch the replay back the one thing I would criticise Henderson on if you watch the replay back where he shows you in front of the goal Henderson takes his eyes off it for a split second it's like he, he looks across goal and then by the time he's looking back the, the player's got his head on the ball um, where, where did you stand on the sort of criticism for that one? Well, there was <clears throat> there's so many people around, and you can blame the goalkeeper. I'm, I'm quite sure there'd have been, there'd been a bigger hoo ha if it had been David de Gea. To be yeah. perfectly honest, yeah. you know, straight away gives everyone an excuse to jump on that bandwagon. But yes, there, he was at fault. I think you have to look at the def- you talk. You could talk about so many things there. It's not even worth trying to nail it down. And <clears throat> just go back to what I said. It's what Milan deserved. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, they, they got themselves back into it. They've given themselves an opportunity, and now United need this. What they're hanging on to this away form, but they have to go there and at least score a goal. They've got to go there, and they're one nil down as such. Well, they've got to go and score two goals, I should say, more than anything initially to put the onus on Milan. Yeah, I mean well, that's the they've way. They've got to look at. Yeah, but they have got Sorry? to score. They've at least got to score. <clears throat> Because yeah, they got yeah, but I mean to put the owners back on Milan yeah. is to go and score a second, and yeah. and then then you look at it and you think right, okay, all that all that experience of what they've been through away from home, which has really kept the season alive, is now is will all come into fruition for this one game. Yeah, I know absolutely. <laughs> what do you think of Ahmad Diallo coming in? <clears throat> I mean, we've seen obviously we've seen better debuts, better debut goals probably, but the hope's excellent, wasn't it? The, the way that he took it, the cleverness to go in because I mean you see him anticipate the ball 
and this, the cleverness to sort of flick the bad, back header and get the, the power on it. A very good goal, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that you look at what his um, experience, his experience, Europe, you know, playing in Europe, <clears throat> playing with different kinds of players, technical players, midfield players, and and just and did he make life easy for Fernandez to find him? He has a good run um, as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think he did. I think he had something different. I was when I was the radio when I was doing the game yesterday. I was kind of saying after that drab first half and watching laboured Manchester United, I was saying to myself, I had to bring him on. Just to add something different. Second half, bring him on a different kind of forward. Someone who's going to have a little bit of zest about him and add a bit of a spark. And their movement demands that someone passes the ball early. But every, you know, so. That, but he didn't do it. Ollie kept it very much similar. Hadn't really moved on from the midweek game. Yeah, let's talk about that. And, um... West Ham yesterday, obviously, um, and we I mentioned blame a few times there. Where, where does the blame come in? And that's probably a good word to start off with talking about yesterday's game. Um, United win one nil in the end. So blame is an apology even necessary? Is it blame because you could see the problem from from United's point of view? It was that David Moyes put up a stubborn game plan. Now he doesn't have to apologise because he wanted a point and that was working until United scored. Then he changed and the game definitely became more open. It was on United at that point to break them down. Uh, up until that point, I should say, um, you know. And then United looked good after that. I say looked good. They they looked more like they were going to score because they were liberated by the free space. If you don't get the quality, um, if, if United don't have the quality, then they're going to need luck, which obviously United got that with getting the goal. I still think overall United probably deserved the win for the number of chances that they had. I'm not going to sit here and say I think it's a breakthrough performance, Paul, because I don't think it, it was. And, and the players have been criticised by by many, many, um, and in, um, included in that is us, because they failed to win games like that plenty of times this season. They, they found a way, and it is about finding a way from now until the end of the season. So... He said it was laboured, and you're definitely right. But um, let's credit where it's due. The players came through, and they, they got that breakthrough, no matter how it came. And you know, um, we were talking before this, and we were talking about David Moyes' strange game plan. Um, maybe he just looked at the United's games this season, and he thought, "I'm going to do that because that's the best way of getting results." So, you know, perhaps West Ham shot themselves in the foot a little bit. Um, but I, I asked this question, and I did. Just one of you know one of my mates is a West Ham fan who was kind of saying you know just chatting, and I said said to him but they went to Manchester City who are a better football inside mm. than Manchester United, passable a lot sharper, and they went there and they played positive and they, and they there was there was a luck in certain ways, not to get something from that game especially with the last minute header that was there for Diop when he's headed it across and. There weren't no touch at the far post, but throughout that game they played with more bravery and what they did against Manchester United, which I found very strange. And I just wonder if David Moyes was just desperate to get saying at Old Trafford because didn't it didn't have an enjoyable time? Was he just looking just to have something to grab onto, just to make himself feel better and like he's got something back? Because to go in with assist with the way he did, I mean, I was looking at the second half and. And all of a sudden, Ben Johnson 
was playing right midfield because they went to a back four. So he had to come out of wing backers at the left side and go across and play on the right. That's how it looked like initially when the, when it was first set out. It looked like it was going to go to a four, and it's the only place Ben Johnson could have played. Yeah. But I was looking at it, and all he done was spend that time when he was he was on the field in the second half was looking at the bench. Yeah. So it seemed like he was someone was actually playing his game for him. I know he's not a right midfield player. He's definitely right footed, but he's more comfortable on the left hand side. But he didn't. He, you know, I, I found it very very strange in what David Moyes done. If he's going to go back to a four when he comes out the second half, why doesn't he straight away make those substitutions at half time? And ev- half time, and everyone would have gone, well, yeah, we can. You know, we we can see what <clears throat> you know, we can see what you want to go and do. Yeah, but he doesn't, and. No, I mean, in my opinion, it, it was poor what West Ham tried to do, but when we look at when they made those substitutions and what happened then, you looked at a side who showed zest when they attacked, and that was West Ham. United were just catching them on the counter-attack as, as West Ham had to chase the game, but even then when they were doing that, some of the decision-making, again, wasn't great on counter-attacks, and you, you know better than what I do, Wayne, I mean you are a proper fan is that United's strength over the years over the years under Sir Alex counter-attacking they're incredible they kind of in certain ways kind of remodelled counter-attacking United over the years but what you know some of it yesterday when they had the decision making when they got on it and they they, they struggled sometimes it was last ditch defending in the end and blocking that kind of helped and maybe a few decisions were wrong by West Ham because when you look at it Henderson never had a shot to deal with as such, yeah. but it was just it was just what was in front of him. And if you're looking at a defensive point of view, Harry Maguire had a good game. Yeah. On a defensive on a defensive point of view, you'd, he was United's best <coughs> best defender. But obviously Mason Greenwood, because it's the best he's been in quite a while, you know, was was the man in the match for United. I, I agree with that. I thought I was going to talk about Mason Greenwood. It's a shame that there wasn't two Mason Greenwoods because everything that he was doing, you would want a Greenwood to be on the end of it. It was so good. Um, and obviously the the one decision that they got right on the counter was the one from Rashford to release the ball early and then Greenwood hits the post from it. Um, but, you know, we have criticised United for failing to win these games, um, Paul. So we, a little bit of credit for that because, I mean, yeah, it was lucky that they got the breakthrough, but... Up until that point, like you said, West Ham were quite content to sit deep and compact and disciplined, as is their right. So, you know, having criticised United as we have done, uh, probably fair to sort of say, you know, fair enough, they got it right on that occasion. Not got it right, but the perseverance won through. And you could sort of see, because of the way that West Ham changed, um, that that is kind of the problem that, you know, United do face that kind of issue when playing against compact teams so fair play that they, they've got the breakthrough this time yeah I think we have to say is that teams know that United are not a good creative team yeah. and it showed that showed yesterday that was absolutely sticking out like a sore thumb if Fernandes is not getting in the game then United struggle and when Fernandes does really get in does get on the ball he's looking what's in front of him and <clears throat> there's not a, there's not a lot there Wayne in movement and things that he's trying to force things I mean in the first half at one time he put the ball out for a goal kick expected believing that someone was you know I think it was Daniel James was going to run into space it was an open space in behind that left back area because they played they played three at the back says so the spaces between 
either either of the um, wide centre halves. That's where the space is because the wing backs pushed on in the gap. But no one was making those runs in there, and there was many cross. There was crosses that went in. There was no one in the box because haven't got a recognised centre forward. Haven't got a goal poacher. You know, no one's going to score a scruffy goal. So there was a lot of times when they struggled, and that's why I keep saying it. And I've said it a thousand times: is that United need another outlet on the field in midfield. Can't keep playing two holding players. I know that he feels always oh, it's his strength and he's getting results from it. But when you look at it, could things be that little bit more easier? Could teams have to worry about Manchester United, Boer, if they had a second playmaker as such in that in that midfield? Because at the moment, when when you look at it, he's he's, he's saying this is this is what I'm going to do. But it's just about getting over the line in these kind of games. Yes, they beat West Ham, but when it really matters. It doesn't work, and saw that against AC Milan. Yeah, Can just, just, just play through them. Let me. Um, we'll talk about the Ollie's <coughs> sort of um, the the full system and the attacking side of it in a moment. But on that, you mentioned the the older midfielders, and you know I agree with you and, and the defence um, side of it. But let let's just talking for the sake of talking about it. We. I think at the start of the season when we were looking at that defence and uh, certainly I was because I get more panicky about um, you know, obviously I've given a little bit more patience to Maguire um, I, I've been more inclined to well, I wasn't seeing the, the bad stuff as quickly as what you were seeing it to be fair and then afterwards um, after that it's kind of like well you look at the way that the team set up and yeah sometimes like yesterday you think we don't necessarily need that extra player in there but maybe, maybe we do, uh, you know, because if they didn't have it, then we would look, you know what I mean? We'd look a little bit flaky. So perhaps w- enough time has gone past watching Lindelof and Maguire play at the back that thinking, oh, well, they don't really need to hold in midfielders in front of them. But maybe we've just got used for it to it working a little bit better. That do you, do you understand what I'm saying with that? That maybe yeah. that we're, we're con, not conned, but maybe we we've become a little bit relaxed into thinking they don't need that kind of protection. But maybe the point is that they do, and that's yeah. the best that we can hope for in in this moment with those players. That this is the best that we can hope for. Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from, and yeah, I, I see I see that side of it. But I just looked at the way West Ham were playing yesterday, and it just said to me, one of them had to go. Yeah, one of them had to go. I'm, you know, I'm seeing. If it weren't one of them, I'm seeing both of them dropping deep to get the ball. Yeah. Let, let said. I mean, if that was Chelsea playing, Thiago Silva steps in and becomes an extra midfield player. Yeah. Steps in there and he plays and he plays as like using the term from basketball or from netball. He becomes the pivot. Yeah. And everything, if they're going to move it, they move it across, and he and he he picks and he picks the pass. But we're getting one of the, we're getting a central midfield one of them to, to drop that deep, and you think to yourself, well, no, you should be pushed on a little bit more and trying to create space. Yeah. That's what you should be trying trying to do, and and it, it, it's just not working. You're looking and they don't know where to go, and you see Fernandez is trying, and he's got no one to play with because. When you look at what he had to play with, he had Mason Greenwood to play with up front. He was his outlet, Mason Greenwood. If Mason Greenwood weren't, Dan- Daniel James is there to run around and be busy and get on people's nerves. Yeah. But he did make get in a couple of areas and he put balls in, which is his strength really, is that once he gets a bit of space and he's in behind, he will cross it early. The problem is, is that no player anticipates that or 
maybe not, maybe not, not, it's not, might not even be anticipation, can't be bothered to run into the box to try and see if they can score a goal. They sit away and all they, they keep possession for the sake of keeping possession. Yeah. You weren't a lot yesterday, sorry Paul, but you weren't a lot yesterday, particularly in the first half before we scored. Um, I'm sure that you would have heard it. The bench constantly on a Greenwood or Rashford to get into the box. Yeah. You know, get in the box, get in the box. And you don't associate those two players. Um, I will talk about Rashford. We'll talk about both of them in, in more detail a little bit later. But you don't associate them with stagnant movement. You associate them with fluid movement. So maybe, um, you know what I mean? It's just odd to, to have heard that the, the, the bench was that vociferous about it, the, the lack of movement. Yeah, but it's 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 a habit, isn't it? And those two, yeah. it's like it's like it's like turning around and step, you know, Paul, get in the box and score a goal. You kind of think, well, let me know, that's not me, and you don't do it, and that's that's that, that's not in me. The things that you see with people is in them, and yeah. trying to coax and trying to get maybe the likes of Rashford to become a poacher is never going to work because it's not it's not part of him. You think about all the great goal scorers, and you look at them and. That's what they do. I mean, you look at Michael Owen. He was a poacher. He would stick a he would stick a leg out yeah. and and score a goal, or he'd run over the top. But every time someone got in a wide, he would be across there, across the front of the goalkeeper, hoping that that he could get there before the goalkeeper. Yeah, that's that's what they do. Rashford, Rashford Greenwood, they don't do that. That's not that's not in their not in their locker. It's not there for them. It's not on the library shelf for them to go and to go and to, to react to that. Daniel James, get him in a wide area and he'll just move it aside if he can and he'll try and cross it. Yeah. And everyone should know that. And and he did that on two occasions and the ball's come across. There was no one um there's one time he did it in the second half and he's got a cross in. Fabianski should have been easy, yeah. but he palms it out. It's his first real mistake because he, he made two great saves he did from Fernandez. And that one there, which was an easy one for him, I think he just got a little bit thinking about what he's gonna do next once he saved it and rolled over. He palms it down and Soufat um Soufal was there just to just there in front of just to tidy it up. Up for him just to help him just in case he needed help but there was no one, no one within yeah. within what seven eight yards of him yeah seven eight yards just to even get in there and contest it and you think to yourself well hold on a minute what's going on that's that's what? the area that you want Cavani or you want or want United over the summer to go and spend money yeah. to go and get someone who who's going to go in there and is going to go and score if he scores 20 goals he's going to seven eight of them it's going to be scruffy as hell. Yeah, Let, let's just talk about that then, because I mean, obviously Greenwood played in that centre forward role yesterday, and let, let's be frank, you you said it, and I definitely agree with you that Greenwood I thought was the man of the match, um, and it, it feels like there's an audition for that position at the moment. Obviously, first of all, through the idea that Cavani came it's, in. Yeah, well, there's an in-house one, but to be honest, really, I think everyone wants them to go out house. No, you'd yeah, have, yeah, yeah. You'd have Cavani there, and you'd have someone who's younger and what, and more fluid, maybe, but. You'd have him there as your backup, as such. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That's, who, that's who you have. You wouldn't have Martial as your backup. I, I was going to say on that because that wouldn't work. Yeah, because Martial did it okay at City. Well, yeah. we, we talked about it last week, and Greenwood did it okay yesterday. But like we're saying, they played well, and Greenwood. I think probably there was more um, edge to Greenwood yesterday than Martial at City. Yeah, correct. But but I'm not discrediting Martial's performance at City. I still 
I'm saying they both did okay in different areas. They did different different aspects that centre forward role, but neither of them doing something where you felt so so much conviction to say they've got everything. They did both did certain elements, and then both liked that sort of number nine element of you know like the instinct of scoring. They both liked that as well. Obviously, both doing different things in their own games. Obviously, they're going to have some games in in that role from now on to the end of the season. Do you give that chance to Greenwood to sort of say work on that a little bit, a little bit more, and hopefully it'll come? Yeah, I think you have to. I think you have to, and I think the fans will go with that because he's the younger one. He's the one who wants to learn. He's the future one who's going to be in a job longer with Martial. He's had too many tries and just he done he done okay at City but the way City are everything was in front and he was okay but you ask you speak to you know yourself Wayne if he was if he he was injured yesterday you know supposedly he wasn't he wasn't because he was injured but if he had picked had been fit could you guarantee that he could go and build from what he'd done against City and I think the answer to that would be no, because there's been too many times you've seen it when everyone's kind of gone yeah, and all of a sudden they've gone no. Yeah. It, it just you know it just doesn't it hasn't really worked. One week he's a Rolls Royce, the, the following week he's a Proton. You know that, that's that's that, that's how that's how he plays. You know, and it, it's just you just can't. You, how long can you keep going? But you can't really. It's been he's been at the club a fair while now. Cost fifty million. When you look at the return and investment, it's terrible because you're not going to get anywhere near that 50 million back and, and, and what you've actually put into it on week by week, you're not going to get back from him. So as far as I'm concerned, really, if you're Ollie, you're saying he's had his time. He's had his time there. Now you need to move on and look at something different now. And, if, and I think a different has to come in the long game, has to come from outside. And Greenwood, if he's got anything about him, he's got to be now looking at himself, I've got to move on now because I've got next season and I've got to jump up another level because otherwise it could be a struggle. I could be another one of those United players that showed all the promise but suddenly ends up playing in the Championship and then the First Division. Yeah, yeah. But he, it, certainly at the moment he, he, he looked... The edge came from him yesterday and it was sort of fitting that the, the goal sort of came from the corner that he won with, with one of those crosses. Um... Rashford, um, still not right, uh, I don't think. Uh, we both said last week that maybe it would be a good idea for him to have that operation. He was out on Thursday, and I'm saying this in air quotes, back from injury yesterday. looks obvious that he's still playing with an injury, so if he has an injury on top of that, and they're still thinking, well, the one that he's got, he can play with. Um, Martial and Cavani apparently back this week for the trip to Milan. Um, and I just wonder, um, be, I still think... A week's not going to change our opinion, Paul, is it? That we, first of all, that we think he should go and have that surgery. But also, when you look at a game like yesterday, it was brought up to me on Twitter because I'd sort of discussed it on, on Twitter with someone and they said, well, maybe, you know, for a player whose mobility and speed is his biggest asset, United are better served getting this sorted much sooner rather than later. With Martial? Uh, with Rashford, with his uh, with the surgery. Yeah, with... I'm, you know, I'm someone who's kind of been there and kind of held on too long. Given how football has changed from when I was in that situation, go and get it done. 
Go and get it done. Go and get it done. <clears throat> Especially at his age as well. He's young. There's still plenty of time. Just go and get it done. So at least your mind's right. But you saw him yesterday. He had a, he had a moment when he grimaced. He went down in his own chairs and he's grimacing and whatever. You think to yourself, why, why are you doing that for? There's, and you think for the player himself and the way his game is at the moment, he's not really going to be missed. Yeah, in that that, sense. That's, that's not being horrible. He's, he, I think no, no. at this moment in time, Paul, you look at him and you think, don't do more harm than good. Do yeah, you know what I, mean? I think he, he mostly might be feeling that he needs to be there because he's going to be letting people down if he doesn't. People are going to question him if he stops. If he's not playing, they're going to ask questions why. And he, he doesn't want anybody to feel that you know he's using this injury to get out of it. Well, given how everything is at the moment, people don't think that way anymore because players don't. You know, a player he plays three games in a row and everybody wants to tell him that he's tired. So football isn't like it as it was many years ago. Everyone's concerned for people's health. So I would turn around and say to him, stop now and get yourself right and come back. And if you're looking at the Euros and push, you want to push yourself for it and have an argument for a starting berth, you need to be, get yourself right and get what's, what's wrong. And the, the way of getting it out of your head is to go and get it sorted. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's the way forward. That's the way forward, in my opinion, for him. For someone who's who carried who carried something and played through with it and wrapped himself up and threw things down his throat to get through it, it, it isn't worth it. To be perfectly honest, yeah. In today, in the in the current climate of football, you've got every opportunity to sit out and you're not going to be questioned. Yeah, and especially if you don't want him. So if his his game is obviously based on mobility and pace, and you just think the longer that that carries on and changes his game that he might lose something so it happened with Michael Owen you know um, as soon as his hamstrings went he was not the same player at all you see it's happened with other players as well but certainly with him um, yeah you know his strength is his strength is is his his change of pace he's never if he lost that pace suddenly going to become this player with the ball who's going to be technical you know like Giggsy was how Giggsy's game changed and Roy to a point how he adapted his game to you know you know, Roy's changed and Roy become Roy suddenly be, be, maybe become maybe have become a better player because of that bit, and his game changed, and he was just as good in that as what he was prior. So yeah. he, he needs he needs to get that sorted while he's while he's got the opportunity. I used to laugh at that because people would talk about Keane's decline. Uh, you know, like the last two or three years after he had the hip surgery. I, I know what you're talking. You're talking more about the '97 injury that he did at Leeds, and then yeah. he came back. But even when he had the hip injury in, in 2003 or something, and he came back and he had the surgery, after, and you know he came back and he played. I still had him down as the best player on the pitch every week. Do you know mm. because he was? But yeah, that, he's certainly right with that. Um, well, you mentioned Dan James earlier, and you know, obviously he's been getting some games. He's been pl- scoring some goals as well. And I don't want to be harsh because I was the person right at the start of James's career at United. I was comparing him to Giggs because I was so excited by his first few games. You know, it's obvious he's not going to be that. I'm not going to criticise him for that. I still think sometimes he looks like a player who needs a loan, and I can't tell if it's just that the quality is not there within him, or it's the confidence, or that he's so tightly wound that he's not liberated enough to to have a proper go. Um, but when I was thinking about putting this top topic in for this podcast, I, I don't think it's about James per se. I think it's more to do with the formation because look, all of this on the players, Paul, that we've talked about repeatedly, and we've defended Ollie plenty and plenty of times. So people listening to this know that we're an Ollie in podcast. I guess if that's such a thing, uh, we defend the manager and um, defend it, the, the decisions he's making. 
but he is persisting with this four two three one Paul, and I don't know if it if it's always right, and I think maybe he should try something different because I, I would have thought for better or worse, we know what these players are capable of. So maybe in games like yesterday, it's not good to start with a four two three one. Maybe it's better to start with a narrower formation with maybe with a couple of midfielders that are told to support the the fullbacks off the ball. Um, do you think that? Is it a case of getting through to the end of the season with this 4-2-3-1 and seeing what sticks? Or do you think that Ollie himself has got to show a bit of responsibility and, and change it, given that we know that it's not perfect? I think he's got to look what he's got and look that maybe the players he has got, especially with someone like Van der Beek, and yep, I know he wasn't fit, I'm just talking about... In general. In general, yeah. yeah. Is that you've got to look what you've got there and you look at the quality, you think to yourself, how can I implement him or A and others in to my team to get the best quality players onto the pitch at the same time. That's what he's got to think about and think about the right formation. At the moment, going back to what you said five, six, seven minutes ago, it could be about protecting what he sees as a weak point, his central defenders, yeah. their, their, their lack of pace. So it's stopping the balls going directly into people and making it eat and trying to make their job as easy as, as, easy as possible. But and I just think if you're Manchester United, you look about when you've got the ball. You don't concern yourselves too much. You think when you've got the ball and you keep it and you move it around quickly. I don't think AC Milan were fussed about how good their centre-halves were. Those players were just playing, were getting on the ball and their ball retention, but their progressive passing was excellent. Yeah. And that was the difference with United. United are not progressive with their passing. It's a case of we keep it and we get the stats up by doing the numbers right. And it's... And that's the bit where he has to maybe look at it. Has he got the right players in the formation, the formation he plays, to actually play that formation? Has he got the right, has he got good enough wide players to do that? I think what we've seen is not really. Not really, because you don't know. If, the only one who is an out and out right wide wing, or winger, if you want to say it, is Daniel James. But he's not up to the level of playing it in the top division. Um, for, for a Manchester United but you look at something and you're not sure the Rashford's is in and out Greenwood is in and out when he's out wide it makes it he disappears too quickly and that's why maybe in the middle and he's got the opportunity to go wide but then to come back in the middle it'll get him more it'll get him more into the game and you'll see him building from the, his performance yes from his performance yesterday yeah. but when you look at the Martials he come as a wide player and you've seen some of the others. I even talk about um, Coleman. I look at Coleman at Bayern Munich, who doesn't always get regular games as such, but now that's a wide player. What he, you know, his change of pace, the way he moves, shifts people about, the kind of positions he gets himself in with and without the ball. Now, that's a wide player. I look at Martial and no, it's not. So maybe all he's got to look at where his strength is with the players he's got. What's he going to do when Pogba comes back? Is he just going to shift someone else out to do that? He's got, he's got, it's about getting the best out of your best players. Now, if you was to have a midfield three on a pitch and you was to have um, Fernandes and you was to have and you was to have Pogba and you was to have Van der Beek in your three in midfield, the opponents would be in their mind because this is how players think. They would look at them and look at the, the sheet. They would look at them and go, "Wow, we've, we're aware of them." doesn't matter what we do, we've got to be aware of them because they can do something and you can build from there, yeah. in my opinion. Van der Beek, Van der Beek works really hard without the ball. I was going to so suggest this one to you, Paul. Yeah. Maybe it's too narrow, but presume, let's just say in this sort of an ideal world where 
uh, we wouldn't miss Rashford too much and we say he goes off for surgery what about playing a, a sort of Four two three one, where the three are really narrow, like Mata and Van der Beek. He like said that Pogba takes Fred's place, or McTominay's place, and then the other two. You know, instead of having wide players, but you tell Van der Beek and perhaps Fernandez, not Mata, but play Mata as number ten. Said to Fernandez and Van der Beek, you know, track wide, make sure that you're protecting Wambasaka and Shaw. But you're also in that sort of inside forward position where you can make things happen. And then you have Greenwood as a number nine up front. Is that too narrow? Is that um, is that too many cooks in the middle? Do you think? It may be, yeah. Because when you go against a team, most teams are first straight away. Even average teams are set out, and just virtually put people on a touchline, and then they'll be asking, then they'll be asking those players to make big runs yeah. to to cover. But then you look on the other side of it. If you've got a ball a lot of the times, those players will be told by their manager to get inside. Yeah. And then it's up to them doing... It's a chicken and egg situation where you have to test what each other's going to do. It's like team plays with wing-backs. Is the full-back going to get stuck in man-marking the wing-back? Or is the full-back going to turn around and say to the wing-back, is, or is, is he going to take him all the way in and push right in and virtually say well, you're going to play five at the back because I'm going to push on. Are you going to come with me? And if you if you don't want to come with me, I'm going to get a lot of time in the ball and cause problems. But it could work against you the other way. So it's about who's the bravest of the managers. Who's the one who's forward thinking? Who's the one who's negative in what, they, in what they're trying to do? But that's what it boils down to. And Sir Alex was brave in what he wanted to do. We'd play against teams and after all kinds of different systems, he would have his 4-4-2 or his 4-4-1-1. Yeah. It was as simple as that. And he'd have players who we believe could deal with a situation if something weren't right. And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, all these, you know, you see him walking out with pads and they're tapping in, they're showing people like that. He believed that you as a footballer, you know where you're going. You've had your education, it's a life education of football. When you walk onto the pitch, you've got a general idea of what you've got to go and do. First and foremost, the unwritten rule is, is that you work, you work really, really hard because you're coming on and you're a bit fresher. And then you do what then you do what you know, and then the most important thing is what you've just picked up off the side of it, where you're marking from dead ball situations. And it's that easy. Football's just becoming very, very overcomplicated now. Everyone wants to sound different to everyone else, all sound bites. Everyone wants to believe they've got to know more. Everyone wants to be called a great tactician. When in theory, it isn't that deep. And it's me just saying it now as an ex-player who, who listens and sees it and what people say. And it's, it's not, but I just think it gets totally, totally overcomplicated yeah. in, in what they're trying to do, Wayne. And as much as Ollie's got his win, in his, he must be disappointed. He has to be disappointed as a manager with that, with that performance, so, in, in, my, in my opinion. Let me just... so. The thing is, on, on, our, on our discussions in the past, when we've talked about the, the tactics, we've praised Ollie changing it up. When he's played, you know, when he, more when Lingard was there, but he'd play that split forward, you know, where Lingard would basically play as a number nine, uh, number 10, and then sort of, you know, they'd be Rashford and, let's say, Martial, who were playing wide. Do you know what I mean? Those on, or he'd play with a three man defence. Yeah. You mentioned there about. Possibly that we're now nine league games at the end of the season. Is it more like we're second, and he he doesn't need to take a risk? Perhaps that's mm. going to see him not, do, you know, because he's got to second and with playing the way that he is, that he's less likely to do that. Or do you think that you know what I'm saying? Like, so does he does he 
risk upsetting that to see how far that this team could go. I look at it, I mean, you, you look at it now, you know, they're virtually almost, well, in theory, they've guaranteed Champions League football. Manchester United, I would say. Oops, oops, I'm looking at the table, it's nine points. Um, mm. West Ham have got a game in hand, but um, you yeah. look at it and think. I, I still look at it and think it's not guaranteed, you know, because obviously that's a pessimist in me, but you look at the team, uh, we've got Spurs away, Liverpool at home, Leeds away, we pretty difficult. Um, Fulham are in a bit of a resurgence. Villa are away. You know, they're, they're, they're the points to be dropped. They're definitely points to be dropped. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know when you look at it like that. But I'm just looking when I just think about who they are and what they are. But then on the other side, of it, I should remember what this season's been all about. Yeah. It's, it's all about being unpredictable. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's all about. There's nothing guaranteed. Even more so than even more so than what it was with not when football was normal. So you have to be that way. But you know, it could have been tied up a while back. When you look at the games now, they're nine games, got nine nine games unbeaten as such, or yeah. whatever it is. Um, but you think that you look more at the games, those games, and you look at the points they've dropped in between. It's been poor. They could have wrapped it up ages ago, but they've been poor in what they were the games. The Everton games all, still always brings to mind that one, yeah. how they let themselves down. So I just think there's still. There's still massive room for improvement, even though Oli, Oli's, Oli's first and foremost has got to be finishing second behind Manchester City. Yeah. It, has to, it has to be for him, in, in my opinion. And then we, that's what he's got to do this season. And then what you do is you put the season to bed because I think, in certain ways, people won't really talk about City winning this league. People are going to talk more about the capitulation of Liverpool in the league. Yeah. There's going to be other people will talk about maybe more maybe about how Fulham transformed themselves to have a second phase in their season to turn around and, and current form would suggest that they are one of the better teams. There's going to be so many more talking points than who won the league yeah. to be, because they, because it's such a strange situation at this moment in time. They will talk about United not winning the league as well because United are always the topic of conversation and they will talk, even though we've sort of said all along this season, I don't think it's the... Um, the objective for United was never to win the league, but they will look at where United were in January before they lost against Sheffield United. They'll look at those draws that you mentioned against Everton and West Brom and think those were big points lost um, yeah. to winning the league. Uh, but I think this is it, uh, really when you look at this sort of like last nine games and you think, are they going to make those formation changes? They're not going to do that. And even no. this is just us talking hypothetically. I think we both understand and appreciate that Ollie's not likely to do that, and we can understand why. You know, um, but it's a big sort of. It's still a gamble at this moment in time. Move, move oh, it is. But the most important thing for Ollie now is is next season. Yeah. Next season is really, really important for him because everything starts again. He's going to be, you know, across him. It's just he's questioned every single day. He wins a game, he's he's questioned. He loses a game, he's questioned more. You know, there's all these different things keep, and every everyone knows everyone knows best. So um, that's the bit he's got to live with as well because everyone knows more than what he does. So, so it's a, it's a difficult one for him. Next season has to be different. I think in certain ways, certain things have to be they need. The problem is, is he going to get them? With previous managers, they never got them, regardless of when they've done good things. Oh. There's, wait, there's waiting for the good things to, to pop up for them from the people above, and it never materialised. Yeah, that's a, a thing, because they're talking a lot about this new three-year contract that's on the table for him. Do you think it's one of those that 
perhaps wait until not so so much frolic because I think we both agree that he deserves more time, but wait until sort of September to see where United are because um, he, he needs to be backed. Like he needed to be back next year, and we've lost a sort of year, but he definitely needs to be backed in in the summer, doesn't he? He does. He does without that. He needs something, and I think he just needs he needs it more. He needs he needs people to stop keep telling him what he needs. Mm. People who keep want to these so called want want to be journalists. You keep seeing on Twitter everywhere. He keep telling him what he needs and why he should get him and you know why he can't and why why it's going to happen and why it's not going to happen everyone seems to know best and everyone has a sauce when to be perfectly honest the only sauce they've got is a barbecue or tomato one that's as much as they've got a lot of these people and they drive me mad every time I read them they they know best and they know the reasons they don't they really don't you know and it's just absolute madness the pressure that goes on that because people get embroiled in his little rows on there because of it and it's not worth it arguing with people via that way if you want to do meet up have a chat sit down have an opinion share your opinion i should say then they'll come back with something that can actually maybe trump your opinion then you get the opportunity then to turn around and trump that and that's an, but now we get now is Ethan and Jeffin from people who want to be confrontational via via a keyboard, and it's not worth it's not worth it because you look at it, you go, I'm not even talking to a, a journalist, someone who who is actually a journalist. He's only a journalist on Twitter, you know. It's like virtually being a journalist, it's like doing write, writing for a big wig in a paper, but you're being questioned by somebody who writes for a comic. <laughs> so it's get, it's getting ridiculous now, and he needs a, a breather from all these people telling him what he should be doing. When at the end of the day, he knows what he can do and what he can't do. <clears throat> and can he go and, you know, people keep throwing up this Van Harlan one, whatever his name is. Van Harlan sounds like a singer, doesn't it? <clears throat> but um, Harlan, isn't it? Yeah. So people keep talking about him. He's, in, he's like a machine. He keeps scoring goals, scoring goals, scoring goals. <clears throat> At this moment in time, he's happy where he is. What happened to that point of not being disrespectful to other clubs about talking about their players? Mm. But they keep doing this, they keep throwing at him and Ollie keeps saying things about him all the time and everyone knows that he knows him because obviously they're both from, you know, they're both Norwegian, obviously he was born in the UK but he's playing, he plays for Norway. They was even trying to say he could, <clears throat> there was a chance of him playing for England because about Norway and about what's going on about the World Cup which is absolutely incredible. <laughs> but is he going to come to Manchester United at this moment in time? Does he want to come to Manchester United? We don't know. When you look at it in theory, there's maybe more chance of him going to Manchester City. Yeah, and we've also got the agent. Uh, his, yeah. da- his dad's one thing because he's obviously former City and Leeds, but yeah. um, his agent as well is another. Yeah, yeah, but I think his dad's better than that. If anything, his dad's not going to hold a grudge against oh, Manchester yeah, yeah. United because of because of what happened with Roy. Otherwise, players wouldn't be going anywhere. You know? <laughs> <coughs> they, w- they wouldn't be. He wouldn't go anywhere. Well, he he kicked me after. I played the ball down the line and he kicked me and he never said sorry. Yeah. You know? He, oh, well, you won't sign for him, son. Don't sign for him because that's what he done. That's what I'm, that's my reason. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. So you look at the moment, you say, City have got to be favourites because of what they're doing, the way they play. He mostly likes the way they play. It isn't just going to be kick and run all the time. And, you think, and then he thinks to himself, yes, I'm going to go straight in because they look like they need a centre-forward. It looks like there's going to be a change there now at centre-forwards. 
at, at Manchester City is going to go look at something different now, another dimension. So it could happen now. We don't know about Liverpool. What are Liverpool going to do? Have Liverpool got big money to spend? You know, all, all those different things. It's called competition. And you can't just keep living off a of history and just think, because we're Manchester United, because you're Manchester United, he's going to want to come to us. That's gone now. That, that went... 15, that went 15 years ago, minimum, that went when players who were signing for clubs were concerned about the history and the name of the players now. It's a modern day, and they look at other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk about competition. Europa League this, this week, Milan in the return at the San Siro. Well, one of those games, every game is a shame that the supporters aren't there, but Milan in the San Siro, you really want fans for that one. Um, but 1-1 one, one from the first leg... As, as bad as a sort of result as it was, it's almost perfectly set up for this United team, isn't it? Because Milan will be growing in confidence, will probably think that they can afford to take the game to United, and they probably can. But United's strength is in that, that they, that they can expose the counter as long as um, the players are clinical. Um, so it's sort of, in a way, perfectly set up for United. Unless Milan have read the script, unlike Sociedad, and sort of say no. The, the best way we've actually got of winning this game is to protect the nil nil because if we do that United aren't likely to find a way through so it's an um, interesting dynamic it is an interesting one and United have to score a goal it depends what Oli's going to do how he's, if he's going to change it or go with what as we know is he's tried and trusted and go that way and hope they can get something back and then keep it the way you know keep have that defensive side there to stop him but you saw the defensive side didn't stop him passing the ball through the midfield in the home game. So he's going to have to think about what he's going to do in there. It's a, it's a, it's a tough one really going into it. And just to go back to saying with Sir Alex, is that Sir Alex would have looked at that performance against West Ham going into a game in Europe and he wouldn't have been happy mm. because he's going into a, a big game off the back of, a, yes, he's got a win, but he's got, a, he's got not a good performance, not a, a performance that he believes would fit, sits right with him and sits right, right with the players and the mentality of the players in that performance because it was a struggle. So they're going into that game and I keep thinking the last time I went to the San Siro, United lost 1-0 and Crespo scored the winner. That's the last time I went to San Siro and watched United there <laughs> when they played in the European Cup game. And yes, there was a big crowd and... I think about all the great things about Mel. Everyone does. When you talk to anyone of maybe our era, era Wayne, and even, even though I'm a bit older than you, you still think about Barazzi and Man, Man, oh, Maldini, yeah. wouldn't you? That's what that's, that's what you think about. Yeah. yeah, there you are. See, I've named three players and they're three defenders, and yet everyone would do that because they were iconic as defenders, but they were just good footballers as well, great footballers. But that game, that's what the game's about, but it's not going to be that way because of... There's, no, there's nothing to interact with around the stands. So this game is all about United and about what, how they start the game. The start of the game is so important. They have to stop AC Milan passing the ball through them so easily. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if Oli sits that little, that sits that little bit deeper. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me just to stop them passing through them. So, and he's going to hope then... That, it's, that he can he can counter attack, but I don't think they'll be that silly 
to lead to lead those big gaps for them to do it. So I believe that Ollie is going to get. He'll he'll play Daniel James again, hoping there's going to be space for him to run into. That's the way I'm thinking. I'm looking at the games he did it at Man City against Man City for him to run around and just be busy around when they've got the ball. And I think he, I don't think he'll go much different against um, AC Milan, hoping that there's going to be space for him to run into. Because if there's no space for Daniel James to run into. That means that Daniel Jones is going to be non-effective. Yeah. Um, so yeah, big game against Milan. Um, followed that up with another one against Leicester in the FA Cup, which is going to be um, the other game that we talk about next week. Um, Leicester away, obviously doing very well at the moment. Um, got their tails up, um, playing really good football. Won five nil yesterday, looking like uh, the the biggest competitor, uh, biggest contester for that third place, second place, I should say, Paul. Um, we expect it's going to be a, a good game. Um, obviously, expecting a good game, but um, a tough one as well. Yes, it is, it is going to be tough, and Leicester are just starting to get their players back now as well. That's the thing as well; they're getting their players back yeah. from injury. So it'd be interesting. But I've seen it quite a few times with Leicester. As soon as everyone starts singing their praises, they seem to blow up. They, yeah. They've had a few little blips this season already, like in Europe against um, Slavia Prague they blew up there and they had a Premier League game just after that as well where they blew up I saw them at Crystal Palace when they come to Crystal Palace and I said before the game I don't like what he's done Brendan Rodgers he's made too many changes with players he's left out he's left out good players and he's not playing them and in the end they scored a really late goal from Harvey Barnes who's who's had to come off the bench to score get him out of trouble he brought him and Vardy off the bench to chase it so sometimes they it, they do get a little bit, I don't know the word to use, but they get above themselves. So once people start talking, they lose their focus, I think, really. So it'd be interesting, that FA Cup game, how Brendan Rodgers goes about it. Is he going to go and say, and maybe with his kind of slight ego, he's going to want to lead a team out of Wembley? Or is he going to say, no, I'm going to rest people because I've got all these, you know, he's going to talk about, he loves using the word squads. I, I think that, he's, you know, there's a good chance that he's, if he's got players who are just coming back, he might turn around and say, no, they're more important to me for the league. So that, that leaves an opening there. And I think it's important that Oli, whatever, doesn't matter, whatever he's thinking, he has to win that game. He has to get, get to a final and he has to win a final for himself. He needs that for himself to get all these people, I don't, even, I don't know what you can call them, off his back. Yeah. Because because they keep on about his CV, he shouldn't be doing this, he shouldn't be doing that. He needs that, you know. Pochettino needs it as a manager to do something as well. But people judge, just judge people of what they've won. They don't look at what they've done in between that as a manager. If you don't win anything as a manager, you're a rubbish manager. And, and to be honest, 90% of the managers are rubbish managers then because there's such a small, a small, yeah. <laughs> a small things, to, it's a small amount of things to win. But yet everyone's rubbish because he hasn't won anything, and you're judged on that. So if you're judged on winning things and only take managers who won things, that means there'll be a lot of vacant jobs. Yeah. <laughs> they usually are as well so, um, because that's the way that football goes isn't it yeah I think it's going to be an interesting one um, changing players possibly but I, th- I also think that they've got the international break coming just after it so maybe they'll just go hell for leather with it but yeah those games normally do get a few changes as well so 
Um, yeah, definitely going to be an interesting one, and those are the games that we'll be talking about on the podcast next week. Um, Joking Devils, as always, brought to you in association with classic football shirts. Um, classic football shirts have a range of classic shirts, sportswear online. Listeners to this podcast can get a 10% discount using TOTD10 at the checkout online. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a nice review rating on Apple Podcasts. Join in the conversation with us on Twitter um, if you enjoyed the show as well. Uh, We'll be back next week. Stay safe, stay well, and thanks for listening. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.